The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we have a special treat. My guest is musician and band leader, Bill Allred. And let me tell you a little bit about Bill. His musical legacy started indirectly in New Orleans. Bill's grandmother was born near New Orleans in the town of Franklin, Louisiana. His father, John, was a jazz pianist and banjoist on many of the steamboats playing in and around New Orleans, as well as up and down the Mississippi and Ohio rivers. Bill was born near the banks of the mighty Mississippi River in Rock Island. Island, Illinois. He has played trombone since his teenage years and then in college and in the U.S. Navy. He was a staff musician with the opening day crew at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida in 1971. His solo jazz performances have taken him to the major jazz festivals and concerts in the U.S. and abroad. He has appeared with countless jazz personalities from all over the world. World. For over 12 years, Bill was a member of the Wild Bill Davison Jazz Band, recording and traveling to Switzerland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, England, South America, and at many other festivals and concerts worldwide. Bill's Arbor's recordings include several CDs with the Wild Bill Davison legacy, 14 recordings with his own band, and a recent solo all-star CD, New York Sessions. Bill's very popular classic jazz band is still going strong and touring nationally after 25 years. Welcome, Bill. Thank you very much. This is a pleasure. Glad to have you with us today. And I wonder... Maybe if we could start with just, um, could you tell us how you got started playing and you kind of walk us through your musical journey? Yeah, I can do that. You know, uh, I started uh, messing around with uh, playing on an instrument back when I, when I was in, in uh, elementary school back in Rock Island. I had a little, what they call a song flute. It was like a little plastic thing and I could I could pick out tunes on that and... and uh, I, I was kind of popular with the class, you know. I could play that little uh, whistle and, and uh, copy tunes, and uh, mm-hmm. and probably, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but but that was the early signs that you do have some innate musical talent, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, there were uh, my my early life was a little little strange because my uh, my folks died when I was quite young. And I lived with my sister for a while, and my grandmother, and then eventually with my uncle, 
uh, up into high school. But uh, my uh, my my cousins uh, all played guitar, so I ended up playing guitar uh, to apply this musical talent of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I had like a slide guitar, like a like what is oh the, yeah. Steel guitar that you have nowadays, uh-huh, but uh-huh. it was one that you just put in your lap. They call it a lap steel. And I, my first professional performance was at WHBF Radio in Rock Island, and uh, I went on the, the radio. I think we just had an organist there that backed us up, and I sang the Wabash Cannonball and played guitar to accompany myself, and I think wow. I was probably about nine years old. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, and uh, messed around with the guitar for quite a while, and it never became a famous guitar player, <laughs> but it was it was nice, and it occupied uh, you know a lot of my spare time. I was in the Boy Scouts and the, and the, the Cub Scouts and all that, you know, as, as an early, early boy, and... Uh, Stayed pretty much stayed out of trouble uh, because of my musical pursuits. Um, when I got into uh, junior high school, uh, it just really intrigued me to be in the band. And so, uh, uh, I, this is kind of a strange thing, but I noticed that Tommy Dorsey's birthday was the same as mine. So wow. I decided that that would probably be a, a sign. That's a sign, so yeah. I, uh, <laughs> My grandmother, who I was living with then, uh, bought me a trombone. I think we paid like $35 for it, and, and I would love to have it nowadays because it oh, would truly be an antique. I bet. And, yeah, and I went I went into the grade school band, and just it seemed like everything happened at that point. I, I learned to play the trombone. I I was playing in a, a little dance band that, that, that we put together in junior high. And uh, I was acquiring uh, more and more musical talent as as I went from uh, junior high on into high school. And, uh, you know, uh, modestly speaking, I kind of became the hometown hero Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. high school band because I could play jazz. There were two or three other guys that did. And uh, so we formed a... uh, uh, jazz band. They call it the Corn Band uh, uh, because I guess the, the original mission of that band was to be silly and stuff. But we were more interested in playing, uh, you know, what was then Dixieland. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up playing at the basketball games and got, you know, pretty pretty famous within <laughs> our high school nucleus. And it was it was uh, neat. So I was I was perfectly ensconced in, in playing trombone. And uh, <clears throat> when I went into the Navy, uh, I went into the Navy immediately after high school because um, I really didn't have a home base. My I lived with my Uncle Joe for a long time, and his daughter was very nice, and his wife and all their relatives. And uh, it was time for me to strike out on my own, I guess. So I, mm-hmm. I took my trombone and, and headed into the Navy. Played in the ship's band, played in the band on the shore station, and uh, and did they pick you to do that, or do you do you say I want to be in the band, or, or is, when you're in the well, navy, do they assign you that? That was a little strange because ordinarily you'd go to uh, um, the the recruiting office and say, "Look, I'm a musician," and I really didn't think 
about that end of it. I was just all intrigued about being on a ship, you know, I was 17 years old. And, mm-hmm. and uh, when I got in boot camp, uh, it was funny because the uh, commanding officer of, of our company came to me and he said, I understand you play trombone. I said, yeah. He said, well, how come you're not in the band? You know, you almost chewed mm-hmm. me up. And I said, well, I, I would love to. So I ended up, my first Navy thing was in the boot camp band, and we marched mm-hmm. for the inspections and played all the marches and stuff like that. So, And then uh, so then when I went in on the ship, that was in my record that I played, and so I got in the band there. And, but um, And then ended up going to a shore shore base where they had an incredible band which i still keep in contact with a lot of the guys that were in that outfit you know well that's so interesting bill because what you're saying is that your talent really began to emerge at a very young age and with each step you took it's like the universe opened up all kinds of possibilities to support that and just kind of moved you forward even when you didn't know about it you know yeah i was i was you know i would really say you know, looking back, thankfully, I was very lucky and kind of fell into one good situation after another. Um, but I found out later uh, that uh, the the road to be to being a professional uh, salary earning musician was not an easy one at all. No, and, uh, I, I, I'm sure it's not. I think it's probably one of the most challenging careers one can career paths one can take. Yeah, and uh, you know when I when I uh, got out of the navy, uh, uh, I got married uh, shortly after. And uh, but I uh, I worked in, in in the field of advertising. That's the, the only thing that kind of a, a, appealed to me and intrigued me. And so I I went to work for this ad agency for a while, and a home builder and various people that needed somebody to write ads for them. I, I had kind of the gift of writing. Uh, or you know, expression like that. So then uh, I met another guy in the business who we we formed an ad agency, and we did a lot of, uh, <laughs> I always say, mindless jingles that I'm really not mm-hmm. that proud of. Uh, no, no national ads for State Farm or anything. But uh, so uh, that was that was a nice thing. It was an outlet for my creative side, and uh, I still played uh, in various local bands around the Quad Cities, you know, Davenport, Moline, Rock Island, that area. And uh, But then in 1971, or 1970, I got some feedback through friends of mine, and I happened to meet uh, some of the guys that were in the Firehouse Five, the the, uh, the Disney Dixieland group, and uh, one of them said, uh, hey, kid, oh, I haven't been called that in a while. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, Disney is building an, a, a giant entertainment complex down in Florida, and he says they're going to be looking for players. And I'm thinking, whoa, <laughs> that sounds like that's got my name on it. You right, know? So right. I, I, I went on my own, flew down to Miami, where they had the, an audition situation set up. They had a big band and they had a small band. And uh, fortunately, uh, I went down there and aced it. I, I was really shocked. I mean, uh, I, I I talked a mile a minute. I, I told them, you know, I really would like to get into this, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And uh, I guess what I said was good. But what I played was really the thing. Uh, right. They wanted a guy that could play in the big band, the marching band, but yep was able to do the Dixieland and the jazz things, which they were kind of, I think that kind of got me the job, you know. Uh-huh. 
And And, uh, I had understood that like 2,500 auditioned, but only 200 were chosen. Is that right? Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite an accomplishment. I felt really good about that. Yeah, I uh, bet. Yeah, there were there were tons and tons, and the auditions took place not only in Miami but uh, uh, in Orlando itself, and in Los Angeles and New York, and I think one other uh, uh, midwestern area. So um, you know, and I I was you know I was apprehensive about it. I said, oh boy, you know, I'm spending all this money to get out to Miami back then. You know, jet fare mm-hmm. was be. And uh, but I, I got a letter from him, and it was positive. And uh, so in uh, in uh, mid 1971, I packed up everybody, and we sold our house and, and uh, headed to Florida. You know, and I will say this: and I've said it before that for a guy who wanted to play music for a living, I mean, I the ad agency was fine and I was playing with several local bands and, and doing well, you know, bringing mm-hmm. home enough money. But to go into the music business full-time like mm-hmm. I did, it was the best career move I could have ever made in my life. And I still think, looking back, I still think that, you know. Right, and that's a dream come true, I think, for your situation at that time. It sounds well, like it, like like you said, you had so many great breaks and so many things just lined up to support you in that. And, yeah. um, and it was, you know, there were tough times, you know. I mean, uh, I took a ferocious pay cut going from managing my own ad agency to working full, you know, hourly down at Disney. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what what happened to me as soon as I got there, and I was in my 30s, early 30s, I met every every person in the music business, professional bookers and managers and uh, movers and shakers, jazz festival directors, yeah. That sounds like it was really a wonderful opportunity, and we need to take a short break now. Uh, I'm visiting with my guest, musician and band leader Bill Allred, and as we go to break, we're going to be able to listen to just a bit of his work in Savoy Blues. We'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. 
That's drsanicola.com. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back again, everyone. We're visiting today with musician Bill Allred. And Bill, if we can, I I sort of want to explore a little bit more about what you said as you were talking about, you know, the finance and the business and that side of it. Because I know um, a, a lot of creative type people And then also in my field, um, people who go into so-called helping professions, a lot of times they don't really want to deal with the business and the marketing and that side of the work that has to occur if you're going to move forward. So can you talk a little bit about that process for you? Yeah, and and, uh, you know, it was, I I guess I can voice it this way. when When I got down to Disney, it wasn't all pixie dust. Uh, there were there were areas of discipline that I had to acquire. I'm still a fairly mm-hmm. young guy, and so I, I, I immediately found myself dealing with a lot of really high-profile music professionals, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I got my posterior kicked a little bit uh, uh, when I would do this wrong or and wasn't quite prepared for this, and so on and so forth. So I had a lot of self. Of, of work to do as far as I mean like like I had not been in in a in a big band that much I mean briefly in the Navy you know my my music reading was really not that great and I had to work so hard on that which I d- done in the meantime and uh, but there were things you know it just wasn't all playing jazz there were uh, some areas of music of uh, uh, some of the semi-classical tunes, some of the movie music that we had to do by virtue of being a Disney musicians, and uh, I had a I had a work, and uh, there were a couple of guys that uh, that didn't do it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the the original band I was in was twenty pieces, and it was probably the most diverse collection of people I've mm-hmm. ever seen because. And and there were some musical terms we would call them road rats, you know, old guys mm-hmm. that had been out in the band, traveling in buses, and and, uh, the, and other guys that had, had come from just fresh out of school, guys that had played in bands in holiday inns and stuff like that, and so it was really a a, a, a potpourri of guys, you know, and uh, there were there were in other words you. 
I, I had some things that I had to learn. In other words, really getting along, working in proximity with, uh, with, uh, you know, other other guys, other different kinds of musicians, different nationalities, different uh, thoughts about life, and so on and so forth. You know, it was quite an experience. You know, you're thrown into this cauldron of musicians, and uh, I, I just I will say that that I really worked hard at at, at be, being a team player, and and I think that was one of my successes. I know. Uh, probably uh, several months after after Disney World opened. I mean, here are these musicians who had it made. Uh, you know, punch in in the morning, do what you love all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there still were still some guys who didn't like it. Didn't like mm-hmm. the, the pageantry and the, and so uh, they they either moved on or. or were helped to move on, right? And uh, but I, I, I figured, boy, this is what I really wanted so badly. Mm-hmm. So there were some areas that I had to do some some conforming that maybe in, in some respects I didn't like, but I did it. And and mm-hmm. I think looking back, it was it was the thing to do, you know. Right, um, right. And if I can, if I can sum up what I think you just said about you know the what it takes is in addition to talent we're going to say that's a given but you're talking about discipline preparation um, having the basic tools of your trade whatever that is down um, being able to work really hard and working well with others yes five things are, are what moved you forward huh Yep, and it was good. And uh, like I say, I, I I didn't do everything perfect, but I I really tried hard <laughs> to be the best I could be. Right, uh, right, right. And and, I, and you know, you're talking about being a team player at that time, but then I I know certainly subsequently you um, started your own band, and so that had to lead you down the road of leadership skills as well. Yes, it did. And it, it's funny the way things evolved for me. Uh, because I was I was at Disney uh, maybe five years and uh, I, I went from the uh, the marching band which was really fun it was a big band you know, we could play anything any type of music and, and that was really a, a gratifying situation but there was a, a a smaller band called the Pearly Band and that was that evolved from the success of Mary Poppins. There was this pearly mm. band in, in the movie, did uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and other such tunes. And uh, so I had a chance to go lead that band, which selfishly, selfishly at the time paid more money, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went and, and led that band for, you know, a, a while. And it was amazing because at that particular time, there was a guy in Orlando named Bob Snow who was developing an entertainment complex in right downtown. And uh, he, I went after him first. I heard that he was doing that and was thinking about putting a band in there. So I wrote him. And then I didn't know. I had kind of second thoughts about leaving Disney, you know. And uh, But then he was wooing me and... Uh, I was, you know, having meetings with him about the complex and what we were going to do and what I could be able to do, and uh, he won me over. Uh, so in the seventy four five, I think seventy four, 
uh, I what I did, uh, I didn't cut the cord at Disney. I just went from from full time to part time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Started working nights at uh, at Rosie O'Grady's, uh, which was the 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 Dixieland type club of the, all the the clubs that he was going to build. There was just that first club when when he opened it up. But um, I would be the band leader, MC, entertainment director at a very attractive wage. And uh, and still be able to, to work part time at Disney, do some special shows, and then sub in some of the bands. So, again, uh, I had the the best of both worlds at, at my fingertips. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I started that, and again, it was taking a chance because. But I I was lucky enough to to look at it, and it it, it was a good deal. Mm-hmm. And so I went to work. Uh, this club opened, and which was a huge success from from day one. And so that was that was really uh, an amazing thing. You know, we uh, opened up, and, and uh, there were lines around the block for people to see the show. And I got to mm-hmm. play in the band. Uh, I had pretty much sole responsibility for writing and producing the show. So what I was doing. At the time, maybe I didn't realize it, I was adding to my bag of tricks as mm-hmm. far as ability to produce and write and perform and so on and so forth. Right, right. It's just building on the skill set, if you will. Yeah, and also, you know, stubbing my toe a few times, trying some things that didn't work, mm-hmm. and uh, so on and so forth, I, you know, and subjecting myself to a... Uh, uh, a nightclub job where uh, alcohol was really available and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I, I tried to, to to keep you know my my alcoholic intake in control because that is is what killed my dad and I uh, had a mm-hmm. life lesson there you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. it was a great it was a great family atmosphere there. You know people could bring their kids and we didn't do any questionable material or anything like that. So it was just just a good deal. Wow, it sounds really great. And then, and then somewhere around in there, you started the classic jazz band. Well, this was uh, another thing that happens in the business. The the owner, uh, Bob Snow, was developing a a uh, a similar place in Las Vegas, and uh, with the help of the Las Vegas city and there was an area there downtown that they wanted to develop so they they were wooing my boss Bob Snow and so he he so in 1990 I think it was he sold the uh, the, the, the the complex and of course uh, several new owners came on board and mm-hmm. that never quite continued mm-hmm. like he did you know and mm-hmm. so and that was a pretty long run then, 76 well, yeah, to 90. Yeah, yeah pretty I, long run. I, I left for a couple of years and did some traveling, but it's, it's it happens in the music business. And I eventually went back uh, to Rosie O'Grady's in the late 70s again and went back to work. And and, and uh, by then it was really popular. And uh, But then he sold the place, and... Uh, you could see it kind of kind of going downhill and uh, and I think it wasn't totally uh, anyone's fault I think it was the the times you know people weren't drinking as much drinking and driving was a, more of an issue uh, you mm-hmm. know the, the nightclub uh, 
people weren't uh, that uh, available, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to leave, and there was some. We had some problems with the new management. They didn't want us using the Rosie O'Grady's name at several mm-hmm. jazz festivals that we were to still had contracts with. And so uh, at that point, we gravitated to uh, the classic jazz band mm-hmm. to avoid any kind of litigation. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. And uh, continued on. I left Rosie O'Grady's. Uh, at that point, I became a, a just a freelance musician. Did a lot of, of special, what they call contracting in the music mm-hmm. business. It's uh, putting groups together uh, for clients and, mm-hmm. and the chance to work with Ray Charles and Red Skelton and Joan Rivers and people like that. Wow. So we were, I was booking these kind of acts because I had, over a period of time, picked up this musical knowledge how mm-hmm. to deal with these people and wow. and so that was a, a, another positive thing for me I don't really do much contracting anymore except my own band mm-hmm. but, well uh, uh, I'd like to hear more about about that era and okay. uh, in the meantime we need to take a short break and once again we're going to be listening to a little bit of Savoy Blues and we'll be right back with Bill Allred us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy in your life or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you, like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. 
Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking today with my guest, Bill Allred, and he's been sharing with us his musical journey and really details of what sounds to me like is really quite an extraordinary career. And, um, you're, you know, Bill, you're working in a very difficult, I think, uh, industry. You know, it's hard for people to get break into the music industry, and certainly it's hard for them to achieve the success and and to thrive really the way you have. So, um, what do you think it takes in today's world? Well, you know, uh, the one the one thing that I think we need to to start with, and that is that the times have changed drastically for uh, a, a, an individual uh, that is a proficient in music to, to go out and, and get work. Uh, you know, we, we all lament about that, when, when, especially when old musicians to get together, you know, boy, remember the time, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but there were probably every hotel of any consequence at all had a lounge, and usually had a live band. I remember that when I came to Orlando, and part of the good luck that I've had in the business is the fact it was a product of the times. I always say, uh, jokingly, that that my my music time in Orlando was pretty much the glory days, Mm. because from, from the 70s to the 90s, I mean, there were... Another musical colloquialism is the talent pool uh, mm-hmm. was very deep. There were a lot of musicians available. If I had to put a band together, they were readily available. That's not that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's tough to find uh, jazz musicians for one thing because jazz locations are are pretty much non-existent. I mean, uh, uh-huh. um, and so. So if if a young musician is going to make it in music, the thing uh, the thing that they really need to do number one is to get an education, uh, and we always also say that you know if, if you if you can't make it in performance, uh, you can you can teach. Now I'm not minimizing teaching or the profession, but right. it is it is a backstop that you have. You know, mm-hmm. now I I was unable to finish college back in the. In, in the late 50s, I mean, I, would, I did a couple of years of college, strange as it may sound. I was, I was uh, majoring in, 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 in engineering on a music scholarship. What? <laughs> and, now, that's uh, something I, I didn't know, know about you, Bill. <laughs> I, I think I was listening to all those people who said, you know, kid, if you want to make it in music, you need some kind of a backstop, of, you, know, you know, way of making a living. So, uh what I should have done, I should have went right into music full time in college, and uh, I would probably be a Quincy Jones or something uh, if I had, because I didn't have that that additional bit of of training. All my training came from uh, the school of hard knocks, and mm-hmm. uh, but it, that's 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 the way it is. A lot of a lot of guys had that situation, you know. But you you really need to get a good education, and. Uh, you 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 have to to try to take a few chances. Get out, uh, work with some groups. Go on the road with some groups. Try to get as much firsthand, what we call front lines experience as you can. 
mm-hmm. um, because it is a very limited situation. And, and as far as my son John, what I did, I said, "Now, John, I says I was a jazz specialist, and and that got me a lot, a lot of work. I mean, it got me the Disney gig, really, and it got me the thing at Rosie O'Grady's, and and a good reputation of going to a lot of jazz." festivals and jazz parties i still do that mm-hmm. and but i said anymore you can't you can't depend on making a living being a, a, a one-trick pony you've mm-hmm. got to do it all you mm-hmm. you got to read like a hawk you've got to have a clinical uh, understanding of, of of the science of music which is another whole thing and you got you got to keep your nose clean you, you gotta you can't get fallen into the the demon rum situation or you got to stay away from drugs that are so available in in entertainment and uh keep your keep your nose clean you know and and he got he got knocked a little bit as he was starting up he would take a job and all of a sudden if another job came along he'd he'd cancel that job and and move on to the next one and uh, that's a big no-no isn't it now he got his wrist slapped uh, pretty mm-hmm. good, but then he he learned, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, then he he took all this advice, didn't get a chance to go to college either, uh, but he studied and studied on his own, and and you know he he prepared himself whether it's in classroom or not, mm-hmm. and when he moved to New York, uh, he he was very patient. Uh, he had some help by touring with Woody Herman's band, with touring with Harry Connick. And uh, you know, and he got he got known. He cleaned up his act as far as his business side, and uh, he's just done great on Broadway. You know, on Broadway, you got to meet all the guys, the producers and the directors and the conductors. But then, as they say, uh, when you finally put your your butt on a seat in the pit, you better perform. You know, right, you, you right. better know what you're doing. And he did that, and and uh, and that's that's good advice to every young player. You know, be prepared, go to school, uh, you know, take care of yourself personally, and uh, just work at your trade. Do your best to to try to get as much of experience as you can. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, um, for for some of my listeners who may not know, that's John Allred that we're talking about, Bill's son, oh, who yeah. is also a trombone player. And um, is he on Broadway right now, Bill? Yes, he is. He's, uh, as a matter of fact, he just sent me a, a picture of the, he's in the studio. And uh, this is an, uh, another little perk that comes with opening a Broadway show. In other words, if you're first on a Broadway show, then you're full-time in the band, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, John does a lot of subbing in other bands, but this is his show out of quite a few now. Uh, it's called uh, Finding Neverland, and it's oh. a musical adaptation of the movie Finding Neverland. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it, uh, it's, he's, having a, he's having a great time. You must have been extremely proud of him when, oh, when yeah. he began to really succeed and step up. It must have been yep. a real thrill for you. Yep, it really was, you know, to, to see him just just dive in to to that business and, and do so well. And he had a he had a nice advantage because when I was working at Rosie O'Grady's, I would bring him in to play the show. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's two things that, that you really hope to get if you're really going into music headlong, and that is good education and also as much 
practical experience as you can get. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, and when John John was graduated from high school and he was so good that he came. I brought him out to Disney here in, in Orlando and he auditioned. They immediately hired him and sent him to Disneyland in Anaheim, where they mm-hmm. had a young jazz band that needed a trombone player. This is a break that he got. Mm-hmm. And so he was there for quite a few years and uh, did a great job. You know, yeah, he had some extra on-the-job training there with Dad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, so, and what's it like for the two of you, for you to play with him? I know oh, he's, it, he sits in with your band sometimes. Yeah, it, it was great. I mean, he's, he's on most of our recordings, the early ones. And uh, it's just, you know, he, he, he was such a stabilizing force. I mean, he, he played first round and I played second, and I was really mm. happy to do that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, no, he, he did just a fantastic job, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very gratifying. Sometimes uh, it, it's a uh, little strange. You know, I always tell people, I said, you know, when you have a son that plays the same instrument as you. There's a time in your life when everything changes. Mm-hmm. When your son looks at you and says, no, Dad, it goes <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I but, mean, it just must be quite the thrill, really. Yeah, you it know, is. To, and the, the good and, times are always any bad times we had. But sometimes you have to be a dad, too, you know. Yeah, of course, yeah. And um, it, you, you have a CD with him as well? Besides the classic jazz band, do you have a CD with him? Well, he no, not not totally. Now the the one that uh, the New York Sessions, which mm-hmm. has been selling pretty well, John and I are both on there, and we do quite a few tracks together. So that is okay. the closest thing uh, to a, a dedicated CD with the both of us. I know we're probably going to end up do, doing something like that, but uh, the problem we're running into right now is the CD business is really bad. I mean... Is that because reason, of music streaming and the... Yeah, streaming and, and downloading and things like that. It's just... it. it yeah, I wouldn't say CDs are passe, but uh, we used to make thousands of dollars selling CDs on trips. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes CD sales finance the trip, you know. Wow, uh-huh. But not anymore. It, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we sell them, and... Um, you know, it, it, it's always uh, it's always a, a nice impulse item to have on a festival or a concert because right. people will buy these. You know, but uh, my my mailing mailing orders, mail in orders, or mail out orders just aren't what they used to be. You know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we're still going to probably think about about doing think one. About I, what's coming next? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so um, interesting again as you were talking about. Another area in which the music industry has changed and has right. required everybody to really adapt and move into a totally different direction than they'd prepared for. So yeah, and it, it's it's like you know the, the the ones that really excel and have for some reason manipulated themselves into this position of being heard by the right people are the ones that are going to. You know, make it. I mean, back in the 1930s, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of musicians that some were coming out of school, some were not, some were coming out of the service that immediately went to work because there were so many big bands on the road. I mean, right. And it's just not like that anymore. So, yeah, over the years, that just kind of gradually disintegrated. You know, it's too bad. Right. 
Um, we're going to need to na- take another short break, and we'll be okay. right back with Bill Allred. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy with your financial life or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Are you looking to get unstuck from the rut that has seemingly become your life? Move ahead by tuning in to Psychopedia, life principles to help you get unstuck. Host Dr. Jeffrey Shaw and his guests will help with the encouragement you need to make that forward move. Guests include therapists, financial advisors, and more, as well as shared stories of hope from the listening audience. Psychopedia, life principles to help you get unstuck, can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are visiting today with my guest musician, Bill Allred. And, Bill, I, I want to start here by thanking you so much for your time today, and I'm so grateful you were able to visit with us. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot. This has really been my pleasure, and uh, not going to a studio. i just sitting home here doing this, and it's, it's really working out well. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It is. And and I want to make sure people know how to find you. Where can they reach you if they want well, to? Well, I, I have the band website, and uh, we do our best to keep it up to date. It might get a little antiquated in spots there, mm-hmm. but it is billallred.com. Uh, very easy. And, and um, uh, you know what I always that, ask? You can, you can contact me, any musician you want to talk or chat uh, with me. I'm more than happy to do that. 
And um, one of the things I, I learned from a guest a few weeks ago, Bill, was that, you know, we, we usually have to spell our names, and, and Bill is obviously easy to spell, but sometimes people might not know that All Red has two L's. So she taught me a fun way to uh, make everybody spell their name because, you know, we usually do that very boring, like F is in Frank kind of thing. But um, I'm going to say, um, you know, people can contact you at BillAllRed.com, and Allred is spelled A is in amazing, LL as in long-lasting, R is in respect, E is in enthusiastic, and D as in delightful. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> I encourage everybody wow, when you have you. to, you're welcome, but when you have to spell your name, spell it that way. It's so much more fun. Yeah, I think and so. you have no idea the versions of all red I get. Oh, oh everybody I can imagine. wants to put an F in there. Everybody wants to say Alfred. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. I've, I've gotten allied and, and all bed and all dread. It's I a, know. Well, now they'll remember amazing, long-lasting, respect, enthusiastic, and delightful. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, and and also, um, I, I know you live in Orlando, and so where can people, if they want to come see you play, um, I know next week you're going to be on the Jazz Dog and Cruise from Vancouver to L.A., and I don't know if there's any space on that, if people want to jump on board, but I after that... There's still some space on that, I believe. Okay, great. After that, where can where can After people that, catch? Uh, we are taking a few days off, and then we start, I believe, the 21st uh, at the uh, Sacramento Jazz Festival. I will be part uh, of a, of an international band that uh, that will be oh, there. Wow. Uh, that's the 21st through the 25th uh, in Sacramento, and then uh, then I come home for a little rest and. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, in Orlando, most of the things I've been doing lately have been like special shows, special gigs for Disney, and they're usually private or in in in, in uh, a hotel where the people can't come in, you know. So, but um, but anyway, the best thing is just kind of watch my website. We're doing local concerts, which we have a couple coming up. They'll be on our BillAllRed.com, right in the front uh-huh. page. And and I know you do a lot of jazz festivals. Yeah, not, so, not as many this year as we've done in the past, but uh, uh, we'll be at the at the Bix Beiderbecke Jazz Festival in Davenport, Iowa, on, on the thirty uh, first of July and the first uh, and second of August, and uh, then uh, I'm doing some some special jazz uh, guest festivals. I'm going to be a guest at the Suncoast Jazz Festival, which will be. In November, and the dates are on our website. Okay. So a few things, and then next year we're going to start fresh again. I don't know what's coming up for sure, but uh, we're, it's it's we're not doing quite as much as we used to, you know. And I guess after twenty five years of doing this, you can't be too un- unhappy about that, you know. I'm actually enjoying some time at home. Susan and I are enjoying some trips here and there, and uh, it's kind of nice after as we say, beating it over the road for so many years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe um, just being a, a little bit more selective and being able to pick and choose and, and go maybe where you really want to go. Oh, and, I know. And I've, I've done several things with schools. You know, I went to uh, uh, Missouri State and uh, worked with the jazz band. I just went down to Florida Southern and 
in uh, Lakeland, Florida. Worked with their jazz band and the kids, and uh, I've been doing a little bit of that. And I'd like to do more because uh, I find it, it it's easy for me, even mm-hmm. though I don't have a lot of musical scholarship information. But uh, uh, I still enjoy it. I've had a lot, a lot of a lot of practical experience, which. Uh, they love to hear about. Oh, I'm sure they do, and it, you know, they, I think that's so important for for oh. kids and younger people to hear about as they come up, because whatever their interest is, you know, it's like how do how do I do it? And hearing from somebody who's who's been able to achieve that is, I think, extremely valuable. Yeah, for for them. Yeah, I think more yeah. and more schools they're trying to get some people in that that uh, have that experience, and it's good because mm-hmm. gives me a few things to do. Right. And, you know, as we just have a, another couple of, of minutes left, can you tell me what it, what was your proudest moment in your career? What was your proudest, the proudest moment? moment in my career was marching down Main Street, USA at Walt Disney World on opening day, October 1st, 1971. I was busting. I uh, mean, it, it, it was packed and there was everybody in the world. Meredith Wilson was on a of a, a rolling bandstand leading the band. I mean, I just I figured, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's all here. You know? Right, you'd made it. <laughs> I was thrilled to death. That's great. That's really that. cool. Yeah. And what was your favorite musical adventure? I think the first night we worked with Ray Charles at a big at a convention area here in Orlando, we had a 40 piece orchestra. And Ray sat down at the piano, and the violins came in, and I thought I was going to fly up in the air. Uh, it was uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, and we did about a dozen shows with him, and I'll never forget those. Yeah, that sounds really awesome, really amazing. Um, yeah. And once again, I thank you so much for for sharing your story with us today. It's been really really interesting to hear about Bill. Thank you again. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Uh, and it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Um, Next week, we are going to continue our conversation with creative and artistic people. I'll be joined by filmmaker, producer, and director, Laura Black, who will be sharing with us her journey as an independent woman filmmaker. And today, I want to leave you with the words of local musician and professor Grace Fong, who says, with music... We heal by filling voids, create joy by turning chaos into beauty, and save humanity by mirroring humanness. Wow. Yeah, isn't that something? That's incredible. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week. We'll be right back.